0: I'm Lainey, and I'm Laura Beth, and we, we are Steel Magnolias, two sisters who love family, traditions, and all things Southern. We've got plenty of room at our table, so pull up a chair. Hey, Lainey. Hi, Laura Beth. Boy, this is probably going to be my best birthday ever. Oh. It is. It is. We have a special guest with us today. Miss Fanny Flagg is with us. And I want to um, just even mention the, almost the divine certainty of this, because we were asked this summer, there was a magazine article that was interviewing us. And they said, if you could interview anybody, who would it be? And we threw out two names, Dolly Parton and Fanny Flagg. And so to have you with us today, Fanny, is just such a treat. So welcome to the Steel Magnolias podcast. Well, thank you and happy birthday
1: 24 one years old <laughs> and yeah. Landy, it you're telling the truth right it, yes it's your birthday. well I've been waiting so long to get on with you gals I just couldn't wait I, I'm in I'm stuck in California and I said <laughs> well if I can just talk to my southern girls I'll be happy oh so, well, thank so happy you. birthday don't thank you have a, something special for Yes.
2: I could not have Fanny Flag and a birthday celebration without a beautiful plate <laughs> of fried green tomato.
1: Yes. Happy, Happy birthday, Laura Death. Thank you. Thank you. What's your doy wish? Perfect. I already got
0: my wish, so Thank that was you. just bonus right there.
1: Thank well, you.
0: let me introduce you formally um, to our <laughs> listeners, just in case. Surely they know you, but just in case they haven't gotten a chance to, to hear your works, so I'll just um, formally introduce you. Fanny's okay. career started in the fifth grade when she wrote, directed, and starred in her first play titled The Whoopi Girls. <laughs> At age 19, she was already writing and producing television specials in her hometown of Birmingham, Alabama. At age 20, she went to New York and immediately began writing and acting on candid camera. She made over 75 appearances on The Tonight Show. She went on to distinguish herself as an actress and a writer in television films and in theater. She is the New York Times bestselling author of Daisy Faye and the Miracle Man, Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe, Welcome to the world, baby girl, standing in the rainbow. I'm going on and on. A red bird Christmas. Can't wait to get to heaven. And this is a personal favorite of mine. The all girls filling stations last reunion. Um, so flag script for fried green tomatoes was nominated for an Academy Award in the Writers Guild of America Award and won the highly regarded Scripter Award for best screenplay of the year. She also won the Harper Lee Prize for fiction. Fanny loves all animals, especially human beings, and lives happily in California and Alabama. What a stretch of landscape you cover with your residences. So lady, how old am I?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're southern, we don't tell that. I was gonna tell it. We don't tell it. And you know, every time I hear that. I barely got out of high school. I am dyslexic. I can't spell. If you told me to diagram a sentence with a gun to my head, I couldn't do it. How I wrote all those books, I don't know. It's just a miracle. That is amazing.
0: I was curious about that because I have read that about you. So do you have somebody encouraging you along the way? Or how did you really navigate that piece
1: of your writing well, you know, I, I would write something down. And, uh, when I first started, I would write something down, and I'd memorize it. Yeah. And I'd do these little sketches. And then I would, I would uh, write it out, but I would always memorize it. But then okay. later on, as you start writing books, you get editors. Yes. And they help you. As a matter of fact, the first book, the Daisy Fay book, started out as a short story. This is. I'll tell you this story. It's a true story. Uh, I came to Santa Barbara, California, and they had a Santa Barbara's Writers Conference, and I saw that Eudora Welty, the Miss, great Mississippi writer, was going to be there. Well, I just said I've got to go just to see her. She was my idol, so I went. And I sat there in the auditorium and the man came out and he said, well, now the uh, competition this year will be uh, a short story and we'll give you one word. And that word is childhood. And so I'm sitting in this room with these brilliant writers and, you know, their English majors and all this stuff. And I'm going, oh, God, I'm so embarrassed. I don't know what to do. But I thought if I didn't write this story, they'd kick me out. So I thought, how can I do this without embarrassing myself? So I got a piece of like a little note, child's notebook. So I wrote this story as a little sixth grade person would write it. So I said, if I had any misspelled words or bad grammar, they'd think, oh, she meant that on purpose. You know, so I did that little story called Daisy Faye and the Miracle Man. And they said, don't use your real name because we don't want to play favorites. Just pick a name. So I said, "Okay, I'm going to be Edna Ferber. So I stayed there the whole week. And at the end of the week, Jodora Welty came out and she said, the winner of the short story is Edna Ferber. Wow. (laughs) And so I felt so happy, but I felt embarrassed because I thought, I cheated because they actually think that I'm, that, that I can write, you know? So anyhow, I went to New York and this uh, editor called me and he had lunch with me and he said, we'd like for you to take your short story and write an entire novel. Mm. And I just burst into tears and I said, I'm so sorry. I can't, I don't know how to spell. And he looked at me and he said, well, why do you think we have editors? You don't have to spell. He said, most writers can't spell. So that started Goodness. it. Isn't that amazing?
0: Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah. That is absolutely amazing. And how encouraging to anyone listening that if yeah. they are facing yeah. anything where they feel like it's a hiccup to them actually getting their story out, yeah. there's teams of people that can
1: always come along. They always you. help you. And everybody also said, they said, oh, well, you know, now that you have spell check." That's going to be a huge help. And I said, if I could spell the first three letters, yes. But it's not because it just it takes too long. So I, just, I can't fool with it. But um, it's true. And I think, you know, they always say you take a, a, something that, that seems like it's not good and it turns into something good. Because I had such trouble in school, I had to listen Very carefully. And I think that if anything that I that I really in the books that I really can do is dialogue, because I hear people love to hear how people say things and talk. And so that has helped me too. So it can work both ways, you know, things that, that look bad are meant for good.
2: Well, now that's interesting because when I think about good dialogue, there is some great dialogue in the South. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, the best.
2: No wonder you like to write about small towns in the South.
1: I do. I love. I love. I love the way Southerners express themselves. They're just, you know, the, the difference is night and day. It's like we're from a different country. When I was living in New York working on Candy Camera, if I if I'd hear a Southern accent, I'd just run over. Uh, where are you from? They'd say Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi. We just hug and we talk, <laughs> and it's it's just been a blessing. And it's true the way the way that people use the language. I remember one time I I was had a massage, and I think I was down in Birmingham or something, and the woman was bringing me one of those robes that you put on like a robe. Uh-huh. and it was kind of worn. And she looked at it and she said. Oh my! She said, "This robe is as thin as a bee's wing." <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, "Okay, only only Southerners would think this." Yes, that's
0: true. It's, yes. That. And it's
1: true. It's
0: but so it helped cute. you relax. I bet a whole lot. Yeah. You were ready for yeah. your massage then. <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, it or not I said, believe
2: it or not, we have a lot of listeners in California. You would think talking about Southern culture, it would be mostly Southerners. It is not. We have listeners all over the country and many in California. A lot. Yes.
1: Yeah. A lot lot of Californians have come here for business and things. So, you know, there, there are some here. I've got friends that, that are that are uh from Georgia, Alabama, whatever here in California. Okay.
2: Well I was wondering, since yes, you spend a lot of your time there, what kind, what do you miss about the South when you're in
1: California? The people. Yeah. The food. <laughs> uh, yes. you know, they have this California cuisine, which means one green bean that's not cooked. <laughs> uh, you know all of the stuff no I miss the food I miss the people I miss the humor yeah you know, the, the sweetness and the friendliness and that's kind of why I write about the south because I think that people that have never been there don't understand how really lovely people are and 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 you know they just don't get it and um it's like you, I, you go into a store and you feel you may they make you feel so welcome you know yeah anywhere you go they say hi how are you doing hon what are you what you gonna have today and this is that and they care you know and that's what I miss I I don't I'll tell you what I don't miss I don't miss mosquitoes
0: oh they
1: bite me they bite me but other than that
0: (laughs) well I got this, this interview is a gift, but I also got a big gift from my husband this week who got me a screened in porch. So speaking of mosquitoes, that's how badly I've been wanting something. It's not big porch, but it's just enough for me to kick my feet up without oh. getting bit. <laughs> There's nothing better
1: than a screened in porch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just lovely. Sit out at night. Oh, it's freezing in California at night. You can't, it, when mm-hmm. the sun goes down, it's cold. So you you know I miss those long. That's a good one. I miss those southern evenings where you sit out on the porch and you hear the Katie Dids and the this and the yes. bird. Oh, that's so yes. lovely. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yes. yes.
1: yes. Well,
0: we want to make sure. And the the real reason we got together is because we want to talk about your latest book. Oh, yes. that, that came, we just got. It came this morning. I cannot Yay. wait. The yes. Wonder Boy of Whistle Stop and this is a sequel to your bestseller, Fried Green Tomatoes. It's going to be available everywhere this week October 27th. Is Tomorrow. The yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, Fanny, tell us about this sequel. My goodness, a long awaited.
1: Well, do, do you remember in the movie, do you remember the little boy that that Ruth's son, he lost his arm, yeah? And uh this is sort of a, a revisitation is what happened to him, where he, what happened. And the, the book starts where there is, it's in 1940 and she's riding the train and the a little boy is running along the railroad track. It's on the cover, waving at the train and she waves back and then she turns to her husband and she said, honey, I think that little boy had an arm missing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he says, huh? And she says, yeah, I wonder what happened. He said, well, something did. <laughs> and so every time she'd go through that little town again, she'd say, I wonder what happened to that little boy mm-hmm. that had the one arm. So the book is about whatever happened to that little boy. So he, we see him now as a grown man, and he has a daughter. And the daughter somehow, and I can't tell you how, because I'll give away the plot, meets Evelyn Couch and they get together and they go back to the Whistle Stop Cafe and it's, it's all closed down. The whole town is gone, but they get together and something magical happens and I'm not supposed to say what, but okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's intriguing. All right. Well, what I would love to know is how, how long have you been thinking this was the sequel? Because Fried Green Tomatoes it's been about 30 plus years. Mm-hmm. So that's quite the time gap. So I just kind of wondered, is, has this been in your head for a long time?
1: No, I wish it had been. I, I just thought, well, look, that movie, you couldn't do better. It was terrific. This, why even bother? But uh, my, my uh, agent, they, they, well, they were talking about doing a series. Uh, TV series, they were talking about a musical play about it, and this and this and this. And I kept saying, no, I think it's, I don't want to do it again. But all of a sudden, and this is between, you know, us, I got so homesick and with all of the in the world, and everybody's mad at everybody and they're fighting. <laughs> and all that, I thought, I want to go back home and I want to revisit that place where it was so happy and all that. And so I thought, well, you know what? I'll do it. I'll write this. I'll just write the, the follow-up. And I didn't know what was going to, how it was going to end. I never do. So I thought, well, I'll just try it. And that's how it came about really. And it was, it was kind of me wanting to get back home wow. and, you know, I haven't been able to go anywhere. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't travel. I can't, I thought I was going to get to come back. Uh, Cause when I have a book um, come out, I always go to Alabama first, And I go to Nashville and Atlanta and all that. And that's where I go. And I'm not able to go home um, this time. But, you know, seeing you, Cal, it's like a visit. Yay!
0: (laughs) Well, you love the theme, even, I would say, of going home. It's in in other books that you've written. So when you say going home, what does that mean to you? Like, what are you, what sort of sentiments is that bringing up?
1: Oh, I think going back to a time where you felt safe and secure and it was a different time. I was raised in the late forties and fifties and that was a wonderful time. I wouldn't take anything for being the age I am because everybody seemed to get along and pull together and the country was more together and it was just a different time. And I think when things get uh, in turmoil, I, you always want to go back to that time where you were the happiest. And the the original book was based on that because I had lost both my parents. I'm an only child. And I lost both my parents. And I was in New York doing a show. And after the show was over, I came back home. And I think, I don't know if you've ever been through this, but I was sort of wanting to to somehow get in touch with them, comfort myself. And I started driving around places that I used to live. And I drove out to the little cafe that my aunt owned and that the book was, was uh, based on. And I was eating the foods I ate as a child. And I realized I was trying to get back that feeling of, of when I was, you know, younger. And I, I realized that I wanted to bring them all back and bring them all back to life and and tell the story of, of that little cafe. And so it, it is a way of, I think, wanting to comfort ourselves. And, um, you know, and and I do, people always say, you know, that writers never get over their childhood. And I think that that's, um, my, my childhood, of course, is the South. And I, I just, uh, that's my, that's, what my home is, is the, the South and the stories of the South.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, that that's make- honoring to your family members too. Yeah. I mean, not yeah. that any of us are perfect, but making characters out of them yeah. books yeah. is very honoring.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Well, see, now this is the cookbook <laughs> about the whistle stop, but I was going to show you that uh, the actual person that I was writing about uh, wasn't was my real aunt. Her name was Bess Fortenberry. Here's a picture of her. Can you see that?
2: Oh, sweet.
1: Oh, wow. a cat. And she was so funny and so sweet. And, um, you know, I just loved going out there to see just that cafe when I was little. Because I was raised in an apartment in Birmingham. Big city. It was a big city then. Big industrial sort of. Yeah. And so I lived in an apartment as an only child. And so my mother would take me in the car and we'd drive outside of Birmingham to this little cafe and it was a little small town. And I just always longed to have, you know, been in that little small town and everybody seemed so happy and the community was so good. And I think that's what um, people are missing is the community, the feeling of everybody knows you and, you know, they know your family, they know, and you've got community and people. they know your people. They know who your people are. Yeah. Sometimes that's not good, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it's uh, wanting to 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 belong, and and um, now they're finding out that people that have that kind of community are living longer. Mm-hmm. That's that's a fact, and so it's not only you know, we miss it. It's healthy. So we have to form new communities. And, and my, my, I have no brothers and sisters, as I've said, but, and my community are friends now, so we can pick them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that makes real good people. Yeah, <laughs> You've you got,
1: you got a darling sisters. Yeah. See y'all yeah. are lucky.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, um, what, we'll get just maybe one or two questions more. In- yeah.
2: Yeah. I would love to know what, who are some of your favorite Southern authors?
1: Well, my, my first one that I just loved was um, Eudora Welty, who I got, as you know, got to meet. I just loved her. And of course, Harper Lee, uh, Truman Capote, Tennessee Williams, uh, you know, all. Did you get to
2: meet all of them?
1: No, I I met, uh, I met Harper Lee. Okay. Uh, um, I met Eudora Welty. I did not meet Tennessee. I met Tennessee. I say I met. I saw Tennessee Williams in a room. I did not meet him, but I saw him. But that was wonderful. And I never met Truman Capote. But um, all of all of the the great Southern writers, you know. I just uh, because I re- I relate to what they're saying. You know. Sure, yeah. Who are your favorites? Who do you like, Laney Oh gosh.
2: Well, I mean Harper Lee's iconic mm-hmm. um, you know, for all of us, not even Southerners. Yeah. Um, yeah, gosh, it's hard to even It's Souther-
1: hard. They're all Oh, and 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 um, uh, oh, my mind is going um, Flannery O'Connor. Yes. yes. A there good man go. is hard to find if she there, go. <laughs> there you go. There she goes. Oh, and and I uh Uh, here's a good story when I there was a uh, when I was trying to make a living writing and I gave up everything else I moved down to this little town in Alabama called Magnolia Springs Alabama and on that one street Winston Groom lived down the street from me and Mark Childress who wrote crazy in Alabama so there were two writers in this southern writers in this little town that's awesome. That's
2: hilarious. That sounds like a name from a Hallmark movie, too. Yeah. I, and
1: actually, uh, I wrote a book about that little town. It's called Redbird Christmas. And it was about that little town of Magnolia Springs. And it's the only town, I think, in America now that they have their mail uh, brought by boat. Oh, it was fascinating. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yes. Yeah. It's out, It's right outside of Fairhope. It's right outside of Mobile. Yeah. Fairhope. Yes, yeah. charming. Charming.
2: We've, I haven't been to Fairhope, but
0: I've, that's, that's on, on my list. <laughs> that's
1: on our yeah, list. It's it's re, you love it. It's really nice. Yeah,
0: really nice. yeah. Where do you come up with the titles for your books? Do you get help with that, or does that is that something that you usually speak into as well? They're always so creative.
1: Well, thank you. Um, it's just accidents. Um, <laughs> you know, people will say, "Well, why don't you call it that?" Or "Why don't you do this?" You know. Uh Standing in the Rainbow was a book that I wrote and a friend of mine told me the, uh, about a story that she and her two children were driving down a highway and she said the actual rainbow was right in front of her and she stopped the car in the middle of the rainbow and got out and they were standing in the rainbow and the book was about growing up in the 50s and so I thought well I'll name that Standing in the Rainbow wow and amazing. um The fried green tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe, of course, was from the old lady saying, oh, I wish I'm at this nursing home, but I wish I was over at the the cafe having a plate of fried green tomatoes. Mm -hmm. And um, just different things like uh, this one uh, was the little boy. I wanted to say, you know, about who he was, the, the Wonder Boy of Whistle Stop and how he got the name Wonder is that he was very curious, and and he was always, I wonder why cats have whiskers, or I wonder why. That's how he got that name.
0: That is precious. Wow. Thank you. Well, in a year where we have all faced much isolation, this book is a breath of fresh air. I cannot wait to dive in. I can't wait for other people to get their hands on it. I want to encourage our listeners, if you are near an independent bookstore, like if you're in Nashville, maybe go over to Parnassus Books. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, seek out maybe an independent store. A lot of them are still doing um, like a curbside pickup if you don't want to run in yourself. So we do want to encourage everybody, um, if you have an independent small business yeah. selling books, them check
2: with them, them, them first.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So, and we're going to fight over
2: this copy on who's going to read yes. it first.
1: Okay. Well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that, that it will, with all of the, you know, uh, upset and everything, I, I'm hoping that this book, what I wanted it to do was to remind people that there's good people out there. Absolutely. There's lovely things going on that we don't get much press, but there's still, ordinary people are still out there living a happy life. And That's right.
0: And, and you know, I keep saying, I we, need each other. we
2: need each other.
1: We, we do. Other. And I wanted to show the best in human nature, not the worst. I can't look at television. Everything is about how bad people are. And that's not my experience. I yeah. think people are great. I do yeah. I too. Yeah. I may be insane, but oh, well, I'm happy. <laughs> We agree. We agree. We're so thankful for you
0: getting to pen a novel. We thought the last one you tricked us. We thought the last one was your last four years ago. <laughs> and then you pulled a you pulled a, a fast one on us, but
1: oh hey, I know what. I can't something's the matter with me. Stop me before I hurt myself. Well, it
0: it feels very full circle, a very full circle moment and novel for you to come back to. So thank you. Thank you. On behalf of all your fans, thank you for for putting the sequel out there.
1: I I love my readers. They're the best in the whole world. They're the nicest people in the whole world. People say, do you like to go out on book tours? I say, I can't wait. My my readers are so sweet and so nice, just like you, gals. And happy birthday! And Thank what are you going to do for her tonight? Anything fun?
2: Well, she tonight she's just having a meal with her husband. Okay, watch the baby. But we went and did a fun class learning how to make cocktails together. It was really
0: mm-hmm. fun. It was really, and we didn't have to do any of the cleanup. They had right. everything all chopped for us. It was like a cooking <laughs> class, but with cocktails. So <laughs> it was
1: fun. The, best.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the best. Good. Well, we will um, let you sign off with us. So, Lainey, you want to do it for us? Peace be with you, Fanny,
2: And y'all, too. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you, gals. Have a great day. I I hope hope you you do. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. You take
0: care. I will. Bye.